Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP, always designing for people. A warning, this podcast contains explicit language. Olivia Rodrigo's debut album, Sour, was one of the biggest hits of 2021. Now she's back with a new record called Guts, which has already spawned two hits with Vampire and Bad Idea, right? I'm Stephen Thompson, and today we are talking about Olivia Rodrigo's new album, Guts, on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV isn't just good. It's brilliant, with exceptional television from around the world. Their romances are more charming, their mysteries cozier, their noirs more gripping, and their comedies cleverer. More clever? Oh, you get it. Acorn TV is brilliant stories told brilliantly. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. So, in a nutshell, Acorn TV. Brilliant. This message comes from NPR sponsor BritBox, streaming acclaimed original series you won't find anywhere else. With powerful performances from Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, Bella Ramsey, Matthew McFadden, and more. Streaming at BritBox.com NPR. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org. Joining me today is Ana Maria Sayer, one of the hosts of Alt Latino from NPR Music. Hey, Ana Maria. Hey, Stephen. How's it going? It is going well. Also with us is culture critic and reporter Serena Toros. Hey, Serena. And eternal girl. Hey, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> it is great to have you both here. So Olivia Rodrigo became a star on the strength of her very first single, Driver's License, which came out just before her 18th birthday. But Rodrigo was already an industry veteran thanks to her work on several TV series for the Disney Channel and Disney+. Plus. Rodrigo's debut album, Sour, proved to be a massive success. Driver's License, Good For You, Deja Vu, and Traitor were all top 10 hits, and Rodrigo went on to win three Grammys, including one for Best New Artist. Now she's back with a new album called Guts, which came out last week. The album sharpens her sound, which is inspired by a lot of pop and punk music, as well as singer-songwriters like Taylor Swift. Let's actually hear a little bit of the song Vampire. Okay, Ana Maria, I'm going to start with you. What do you think of Olivia Rodrigo and what do you think of Guts? Ugh. I mean, Stephen, I feel like you noting just before her 18th birthday releasing driver's license right there. It's just like I need a consistent reminder to understand how young she is because her bare bones songwriting capability is so beyond where she's at. I think she grew 
even more on the second album. It took me a few listens, I will admit. I wasn't like immediately struck over the head loving the record, but now the more time I spend with it, the more I'm struck by like, she's yelling, but it's a subtle subversion to me of what is the way that we expect a teenage girl to package their emotions and put it into an album. I think that she so beautifully does the heartbreak along with the expression of her fears and her pain and her anxiety and all of these things. And like sonically, it just made so much sense to me on the Mm -hmm. album, the way that she chose to kind of like play with what people would even call like the vintage pop punk sounds in the way of the early 2000s, but also like really embody them and make them her own. It does not feel as though she's playing with trend or she's playing with um, something that, you know, people are expecting from her. I, I I think she really chose these sounds because they do speak to her and, and feel like an authentic way to express what she's going through right now, not only as a teenager, but as the very specific person that she is. I mean, everything she expresses on this record feels so Olivia specific. No one else really knows what it feels like to be in this position, save, I don't know, maybe Billie Eilish a few years ago. And I think she, in the way that Billie did as well, like does really authentically talk about the feelings of being Olivia Rodrigo right now. And that is what's saying true to me is just the honesty of this record and how she was completely unapologetic of talking about those things. Now, to clarify, Olivia Rodrigo is 20. She is not currently a teenager, but this, there's <laughs> there's definitely t- being a teenager is still a theme on this record. You know, I think we're all teenagers until we're at least probably 30. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I am currently 51 years old and I related to some of them. <laughs> How about you, Serena? Yeah, to build off what Ana Maria is saying here about how distinct and clear her vision is, you know, famously, my criticism of Harry Styles was that the instinct to guess what artist, song, genre he was pulling from was larger than his own vision as a songwriter. And I know it's really popular to compare... Olivia Rodrigo to Taylor or to Lord or whatever pop rock of the 90s, 2000s. But I'm a huge fan of all that music, and I don't think she's a substitute for any of that and vice versa. I think that she is bringing something unique to all of these songs. I think if you took a Taylor fan whose favorite song was Dear John and made them listen to Logical, I think they'd be like, that doesn't sound anything like Taylor. You know, for me, what was so impressive about this second album is I think we got this idea of Olivia Rodrigo as somebody with this big Broadway-esque voice, you know, like she can really hit a high note and she is this incredible balladeer. But here she is going into more of the vocal stylings of rock artists. It felt like she picked up a manual and flipped through like 30 years of rock star machinations and she was like okay i'm gonna have fun with all of this that was the thing that struck me most she just sounds like she is having a ton of fun you know Mm -hmm. she has this real tongue-in-cheek self-deprecating sense of humor and the way that she turns a phrase like the way that she does the pre-chorus in bad idea right is so funny That is something that is missing from the conversation when we want to compare her to 
Taylor Swift, which I think is really just coming out of this instinct to be like, who is the biggest piano and guitar songwriter of the last 10 years? Because that's really a mode of pop star that has gone away since hip hop became like the dominant commercial genre in the U.S. And, you know, I think this album, Guts, stands on its own two legs. I agree with you completely. I think there is a temptation when we talk about Olivia Rodrigo to really pick apart the influences. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, Serena, the experience of listening to the Harry Styles record and like picking apart like, okay, what ingredients is this song made of? Mm -hmm. And I definitely found myself doing that with Olivia Rodrigo songs. Like Bad Idea Right feels like it's drawing a little bit from Wet Leg. There are a couple of songs on Sour where she wound up having to retroactively give songwriting credits to Paramore and to Taylor Swift. Because the songs were so clearly interpolating the style of the artists in question that, like, Mm -hmm. she wound up, like, legally speaking, having to acknowledge that influence. And so I I think Olivia Rodrigo's music really lends itself to that kind of, like, archaeologically speaking, go through and tag every ingredient for what influence it represents. But I think that it is, as you kind of say, it's missing the forest for the trees because the sum of these parts is its own distinct thing. Mm -hmm. It does distinctively sound exactly like Olivia Rodrigo. It has some of the elements of a persona where it is specific to her and yet universally relatable. And that is something that is a real struggle for giant pop stars to pull off. And I think she pulls Mm -hmm. it off throughout this record with great technical skill, but also warmth and humor and a little bit of slyness and silliness. There's a line in Get Him Back that I wanted to touch on. Let's actually hear it. You're getting such a funny, playful, exuberant examination of romantic ambivalence. (laughs) Just the song title alone get him back you've got the double meaning of like i want him back and i also want revenge and i want to meet his mom and tell her her son sucks is a really really funny line that is also like just in those few words like perfectly conveying everything that song is trying to get across at the same time that it's extraordinarily catchy. And I just think, I think it's really easy for critics, and and I count myself in that group, to sort of say like, okay, Olivia Rodrigo is an artist made entirely of spare parts. She's a mosaic of ingredients from other artists' music, other artists' songs. First of all, most musicians are. Mm -hmm. And second of all, that is really giving short shrift to how clever this songwriting is throughout this record. Yes. I don't know what it is about the temptation to look at her music and just connect the dots. I think it's almost her own dynamism that is her own like weakness in that way, or at least it's the thing that makes people gravitate towards doing that because she so seamlessly incorporates so many influences. She is an absolute wizard of a lyricist, I think, and a songwriter. And so I think she's so able to pull in influences in a way that really makes sense and feels authentic and honest to her that it's like, we want to take away some of the power of the work by Mm -hmm. being like, well, she's so young. And I don't think 
we would do this with an older artist or maybe a male artist in the same way that we do because we want it to make sense. We want it to make sense why she's able to do this so well. And I think that's part of the underlying cause of why we start to draw these lines. Yeah. Let me just like scrub up and give this a medical diagnosis. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is exactly what you're saying, Ana Maria, here. And it's funny. I don't want to keep making comparisons to other women who have been pop stars, but It did really remind me of what I wrote about Lord a couple years ago when I was making the argument that she was, like, one of the most important musicians of the 21st century. If I can just, like, be self-indulgent, I might quote myself right here. Do it! Um, Lord's ability to tell these stories at her young age speaks less to her as an unprecedented figure and more to the fact that we've been ignoring young women's voices for far too long. And wisdom and youth are not inherently opposite. And I think it's sad to me that five years later, this is still the case. And I do think it's that people want to take something away from her. They can't accept that somebody at the age of 19, which I presume she was when she was writing these songs, now she's 20, could write with this sort of humor and sharpness and intelligence. They, they want to think it's not true. So they want to be like, she's just ripping off somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think it's the fact that these major labels and and record labels have gotten so stingy with IP. And now there's a whole cottage industry out of recycling old songs and getting money Mm -hmm. off of, you know, Mm -hmm. interpolations. Well, I wanted to break down, like, they're kind of, in a sense, are two different kinds of Olivia Rodrigo songs. And sometimes Mm -hmm. she combines them within an individual song. But generally, you can kind of slot Olivia Rodrigo's songs into bangers and ballads. (laughs) that you've got your massive anthems, like Bad Idea Right, I think, falls into this category. I think Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl falls into this category of just, like, big, big, raucous anthems. But then you have the kind of quieter, more singer-songwriterly reflections. Do you guys have a preference? Do you think that she is sharper in one area or another? Or do you think that she's equally adept at both? You know... I kind of am inclined to say that the ballad area is really where she shines in just her natural capability as a person who can sit down at a piano and just crank out like a really well-crafted song. I think, if anything, for me, like the production on some of those more ballady songs fell a little bit flat for how strong her songwriting ability is. Like, I think that for this second record... No shade to Dan Nigro, who is her songwriting partner and produces on her record. But, like, she could have brought in some more producers, like, to really help that songwriting ability shine. I think that, as you put it, the banger side of things, like, that is her just play. Like, to me, that is her just, like, I'm going to really just mess around and have a good time and have fun and really express myself in a way that feels like something that will stick with people. And I think that's why I love the pairing of the two together because to me, it's almost like her preempting criticism about her play side of the record. It's almost her like, I'm going to express myself and go full force on some of these rock moments or these punkier moments. And I'm also going to give you the heartbreak ballad that you're expecting from me. And all of these things are Olivia. They're all equally as Olivia and authentic to me in the way that I need to express myself. So I really love the pairing of the two. 
but they also feel like they occupy two really unique spaces on the record. I would echo that and say, I think the appeal to me is the duality and the way that it is allowed to exist together. Because I think 10 years ago, she would have been forced to pick a lane. She would have been forced to pick, Mm -hmm. like, do you want to be the heartfelt piano ballad girl on the radio? Or do you want to be, well, actually, I don't know that you'd get a rock girl on the radio even 10 years ago, (laughs) which is sad. But I think of a song like All-American Bitch, which works for me because she is playing with these two sides of herself. She's got, like, the very, like, cutesy, Laurel Canyon finger-picked verses. (laughs) And then she goes full, like, Raya Girl on the chorus. She is of an age where those things aren't opposites anymore. It makes total sense to me that both of these lineages live in Olivia and her music, especially because her songwriting partner and producer, Dan Nigro, and he comes from an emo background. He was in a band called As Tall as As Lions. As Tall as Lions, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Guts ends with a really beautiful ballad called Teenage Dream. And Anna Maria, I know you wanted to talk about that song. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I kind of want to end on highlighting the way that she ends with that beautiful track, Teenage Dream. I just felt like it really encapsulated this moment for her and the fact that she, first of all, just the way that she writes into that song, the subtle production that really shines with the piano and the strings that come in. It's it's really a beautiful embodiment, I think, of how she is working on this record to really talk about what is relevant and important to her. Even the ways that she shows up can be a little bit messy. It's not perfect. It's not polished. It's not necessarily everything we want to hear her talking about all of the time, but it's the things that she needs to say, and she's saying them in exactly the way she needs to express them, whether it's with intensity or even a little bit of naiveness. I don't know, but it just rings really, really beautifully authentic Olivia, and it's really fun to jam out to. She gives us this full circle moment because she starts sour, the song Brutal, saying, I'm so sick of 17. Where's my fucking teenage dream? And so (laughs) here she's giving it to us. Here's her teenage dream. (laughs) This is just a perfect album about what it feels like to stand in the world in 2023 as a young woman. To become famous is to know that something bad is going to happen. And to be a young woman is really the same (laughs) thing. (laughs) And I felt like this album is just really about the expectations that people put on young people, young women, famous young women, and the double standard that she's outlining here about she's so good for her age. Mm. She's so good for a girl. And I self-identified at the top of the podcast as an eternal girl. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. album resonates with me because I still feel like that teenage girl. And I think in some ways that is an internal thing where those memories are so resonant with us throughout our lives. But it's also this idea that 
we're never allowed to grow up, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can be a girl until you're a mom. And you can be a young woman, but you can never be a woman. And I really think that Olivia Rodrigo is giving us this thesis statement on how hard it is to grow up in a society that doesn't let women be women. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think it's a great record. Mm -hmm. And I'm delighted that we got to all get together and talk about it. Uh, (laughs) we want to know what you think about Olivia Rodrigo's new album Guts find us at facebook.com slash pchh that brings us to the end of our show Serena Toros Ana Maria Sayer thanks so much for being here Uh, thank you so much thank you this episode was produced by Liz Metzger and edited by Mike Katzif our supervising producer is Jessica Reedy Hello Come In provides our theme music thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR I'm Stephen Thompson and we will see you all tomorrow On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Your business faces specific challenges and unique opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, custom-tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the expertise, strategy, and resources of a top-10 commercial bank, a dedicated team works with you to support your success and help achieve your goals. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial.